Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. Instead of becoming yet another burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm now on a mission to help lawyers do just that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both life and law. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Life in Law Podcast. This is your host, Heather Mulder, and today we are talking about five common business development mistakes I see attorneys making all the time and what to do instead. So here's the deal. If you're an attorney in private practice, the best way to have a fulfilling practice that doesn't burn you out is to build your own book of business because you are going to have a lot more control over your practice, over your day-to-day when it's your book instead of somebody else's. And if you do it the way I teach it, and how this is how I develop my practice as well, you're going to have a lot more fun as well. So I do have a free resource for you today. It's called the Client Development Blueprint, and I recommend that you grab it if you are a private practice attorney who is looking to build or build a bigger book of business. I will have a link to it in the show notes. For those of you who are not in private practice, this is still going to benefit you. So I do recommend that you stick around. A lot of what I'm talking about can be applied to you, albeit not in the business development scenario. I want to challenge you to figure out how you can take what you learn. In fact, there are definitely things in here that you can take and apply in house or in a governmental position or wherever else you might be. So please do stick around. And finally, for younger private practice attorneys out there, I also challenge you to keep listening. Even if you're not at a level where you can build your own book, and even if you're not sure you ever want to be a partner, or maybe you've already decided that's not for you, again, there are some concepts in here that you can start applying now to your practice that I think are going to help you. So definitely listen. And it's also going to help you be more informed about what to expect should you choose to go after partnership and make partner. Okay, so let's dive right in. Let's go into the five most common client development mistakes that I see attorneys making and what you can do about it instead. All right, so mistake number one, telling, not showing. So what do I mean by this? Telling people how great you are, that you got a wonderful outcome for your client, that you're an expert at something, okay? Telling people doesn't work. So I saw this a lot when I was a young associate and a particular partner that I would go to luncheons with, she would take clients and prospective clients out. And she had this knack of, well, you know, I know a lot about, or I did this really great thing for my client recently, and she just generally talk about it, but she never got very specific. That's telling, not showing. You want to show people through stories. So war stories or using an example versus example A versus example B. Perhaps you're talking with a prospective client or a client about something they're struggling with and you can just go through and ask some questions and then figure out, you know, you could go this way or you could go that way and here's why this matters. You know, here's, here's what to think about when you're looking at the two. That's 
showing. That's not telling. You're actually showing them and giving them real information, valuable information, a little bit of advice, asking good questions that they need to be asking, that type of thing. So that they can actually see your expertise come to life as opposed to you just telling them you're an expert at something, okay? So let's give an example of a war story that you might be able to tell. So I have a client who is an employment lawyer. And back when the pandemic broke, a lot of her clients were calling her about, you know, I need to lay people off or we need to furlough or what should we do? And there were several that called that said, we just need to lay people off. We have to act quickly. And so she would take them through a series of questions and answers and they would go through kind of some bullet points so that they could figure out what actually makes sense. You know, what makes sense given where you are right now, what's going on in your business, what the forecast might be, what you want six months from now, a year from now, three months from now, whatever, as opposed to this very moment. She, she had to take them out of the panic moment and get them thinking more clearly about their overall business picture, okay? So that they could make the right decision. Because sometimes the right decision was to lay some people off. Other times the right decision was to furlough. And it it varied between businesses. Well, she could go back and then talk about that with prospective clients as we went through the year as people were still struggling with those issues and and use them as an example. You know, I had a client who called saying they needed to lay people off during the pandemic. But you know what? There were things they hadn't really thought about. And after we went through a series of questions, which I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you need to be thinking about since this is something that you're starting to think about, they actually decided that it was much better to furlough as opposed to laying people off. And then here's what happened six months later. And here's what would have happened had they done the other. That's showing, not telling. And this actually applies to social media. So one of my pet peeves are all of the LinkedIn posts that attorneys and their firms have out there just saying, oh, we won this award, or we're the best at this, or, well, okay, great. That's okay to tell people occasionally, but it should not be the only thing you get out there. You actually need to show them why you're an expert. Maybe you need to write an article or a post, a short post about, hey, are you struggling with something that your clients commonly struggle about? Here are the five questions you need to ask yourself. That is a way to show your expertise and show what you bring to the table, the value you bring to your clients, as opposed to just merely telling them this is what you do. So, That is mistake number one, and it is a biggie, so make sure you take note. Now, for those of you who are not yet business developing, right, maybe you're a younger associate and you don't have to worry about this yet, or you're in-house or in a government position, the same goes for you, and frankly, this goes for you too, for anybody in a position that has to go through annual reviews, even as partners, sometimes we do have to do those things. The same thing goes for proving your worth when it comes to your reviews, right? You want to make sure you show what you're capable of. You show the good things you've done, not just merely tell. And the best way to do that is through specific storytelling. That's going to show people, not just tell them. All right, so let's move on to mistake number two, doing what everybody else does. So for whatever reason, and I definitely fell prey to this the first couple of years, um, I started developing business. I was a senior associate. And even the very first year or so, I was a a partner, a young partner. For whatever reason, 
a lot of attorneys tend to just do what others do. Somebody in your firm gives a lot of speeches, well, I got to go do that too. Somebody writes an article, well, I need to do that as well. Oh, everybody goes to all these networking events, yes, I need to do that too. And what happens is you end up doing way too much, right? And you end up overextended and you cannot stay consistent with that because it's just not possible to do all that and practice law at the same time. I see this as one of the biggest mistakes that attorneys make who feel as if client development is out of their reach. It just takes too much time and therefore they can't do it. And so they become worker bee partners and they never develop their own book of business. That's a problem though because the thing is, is it's, it's a false assumption. You don't have to do all those things, okay? It's not a lot of fun to do it that way. It does take too much time. It is hard to stay consistent. So not only are you doing too much, but you're often not necessarily doing what you're good at, right? So the answer to this, instead of copycatting what other people do, is to figure out what you're good at. What are you good at doing and what do you enjoy doing? And you want to marry those two. You want to leverage your strengths in ways that you enjoy to better develop your business. And here's what that does for you. It makes it a heck of a lot more fun, which makes it easier to stay consistent with, and it allows you to keep things simple and not adopt a bunch of different strategies. You just have one or two main strategies that you rely upon, and you consistently stick with those strategies. Now, if you're good at more than one or two things, it doesn't mean you can't do other things, but I would say this. You want to focus in on one or two main things initially and build from there, and maybe Every so often, you change it up a bit and you start focusing more on something else and not doing as much of one thing, okay? Because again, you don't want to multitask your business development and get so pulled into so many different things that you just can't stay with it. Because (laughs) I've said this before, but business development is about building relationships and you have to stay consistent to build those relationships. So here's an example of what I'm talking about. Everybody has unique strengths, right? So for me, it's simplifying things. I am really good at taking things that seem very complicated and complex, maybe that start out with 20 different steps and massively simplifying them, narrowing it down to just three. Or taking something that somebody thinks is overly complicated and being able to very simply explain it in a way where just about anybody can understand. So I learned how to leverage that when I was networking at networking events. I would talk to people that were in my field and I would ask a lot of questions, kind of be a coach basically. And as I asked questions, I would try to dive deep about, you know, what are your struggles? What are you dealing with? And it didn't always work because they weren't always struggling with things I could help them with that were in my particular expertise. But whenever they did, I would narrow it down and I would figure out, okay, what's really going on and ask good questions that would help simplify what was going on and help give them some answers. And then I would also sometimes provide a tip or two or just say, hey, can I tell you what I'm hearing? And I would tell them what I was hearing them say, but they were saying it in, you know, a million different words. And I would simplify it. And they'd be like, oh my God, you're right. That's it. And so I learned to leverage this. They, This is another way of showing, not telling, right? But it worked really well for me. It was a way that I could really leverage my skills while networking and make networking work for me. Obviously, this podcast is now a business development technique for my new business. It is a way where I can use speaking 
Um, I love to teach. I tackle those things that seem difficult to people in my topics. And so I want you to start thinking about, well, how can I utilize my strengths? What are my strengths? Okay. Here's another example. So one of my clients is a very natural collaborator. She loves to work in groups. It's where she really just lights up and does incredibly well. But she also has this unique skill at knowing how to put people together, right? Knowing who will work well together and how to put an amazing team together. So her client development efforts are typically done within teams that she puts together specifically for whatever it is they're going after. So that is another way to utilize your skills. So ask yourself, what are you good at that you like to do? How can you leverage your strengths? And if you're not 100% sure what your strengths are, there is a great way to find out. It's called the Strengths Finder. Clifton Strengths, or Ga- I think it's now Gallup. I'm not affiliated with them at all, but I do utilize them sometimes with clients, and I've definitely utilized it for myself. So I highly recommend you give that a try as well if you're not quite sure what your strengths are. So there you go. I will have a link to it in the show notes. All right, so let's move on to mistake number three. This is not giving enough value for free. So in episode number four, which I will link to in the show notes in case you haven't heard, we talked about common client development myths. And we talked a lot about client development is about that relationship building that I've already mentioned. It's about trust. So to build those connections, to build those relationships with people, You need to get to a place where they know you, they like you, and they trust you. They're not going to want to hire you without that. There's no better way to kill trust than to never want to give advice or tips without charging or to hold back when you really could help, right? So I want you to take a servant leadership attitude. You are here to serve people. You want to help. So when you're developing business and you're talking to people, you want to keep that in mind. Now, I am not saying that you give away the farm. I know in my business, there were a lot of attorneys uh, in the finance area, and I did this from time to time, although not very often, where we would offer to put together term sheets for free, which can be very negotiated and be a lot of hours, by the way, so long as the deal would come to us if they got the deal, because the deal was never guaranteed. It may not go through, but we would do a certain number of those for good clients. You could do that, but I'm also talking about simpler things. So think about how you can genuinely help a prospective client or a current client where you're trying to grow business or get more from them. Think about how you can genuinely help them and provide real value to them on a regular basis. So for example, offering a quick tip when talking on the phone or at a networking event about something they're struggling with. Maybe asking them, have you thought about Or I've seen this work for clients in this situation. Have you done that? Or have you considered? Or here are some questions I think you might need to ask. It can be very simple, very quick, something just to get them started. Send relevant articles to them. Now, this can be an article that you or someone at your firm has written. Or it can be something you read elsewhere. It does not have to be something from your firm. Do not be afraid to offer up things that are written by others, whether in a business publication or even a legal publication by another lawyer. The key is to make sure, number one, it's incredibly relevant to them, their business, and what they're tackling right now, okay? If it's not relevant, they're going to throw it away and not think anything of it. And they might even, it may hurt you because they may think, they don't understand my business very well or they don't understand the struggles I'm going through very well. So don't do that. Just send stuff that's very relevant. And when you're sending them something, 
regardless of who it's written by, and this is especially the case when it's written by somebody else, but you really want to do this regardless, point out what in the article you think they need to pay most attention to and why. This shows that you're an expert even when you didn't write the article, okay? This shows that you care. This shows that you understand and this gets their attention and it makes it clear that you have been thinking about them. So offer up something of value. Let's move on. Mistake number four, not asking for the business. You might occasionally get work when you don't ask, but it's human nature. People need to be asked and people like to reciprocate when they are asked. So I remember early in my career going to functions, especially lunches with another partner who was amazing at giving away free value. He would ask great questions. He'd offer up a lot of advice and tips and he would just give them so much, but he never asked for the business. And then when he found out that a deal, this was finance attorney, went to another group, another firm, he'd get super frustrated that they didn't think of him because of how much he was doing for them and how he had shown them, well, he was an expert in that area. Well, here's the thing. They assumed he didn't need the work because he never asked. And he didn't discover this until he complained about it to a fellow partner who then asked, well, do you ever ask for it? Do they know you want more work from them? It was a revealing conversation for him. Now, I think initially it wasn't so revealing until he really thought about it. And then he started asking and the man grew his business by leaps and bounds over the next couple of years from current clients who just hadn't been sending him as much work as they could have because they assumed he did not need it. So ask for the business. You do need to ask to get it, okay? All right. So let's go to our final mistake. Selling too much or too quickly. So yes, you do want to ask for the business, but no, you don't want to do it all the time and you don't want to do it too soon with new clients or prospective clients, all right? Because that is going to hurt you. So you don't ask somebody to marry you on the first or second date, probably even on the third, right? Hopefully you don't. Remember, this is about building a relationship of trust. You need to build that relationship before you make the ask. So I had a partner, and I she was the first example I used here. Every time we went to lunch with her, she would constantly ask, well, when are you going to send us more business? We're really excited to be working with you, and we'd love to do more for you. And it was just constant. She would do it all the time. And with newer clients or prospective clients, the first meeting, she, you know, by the end of it, she was asking, so when can we expect you to send your first deal over? And it was always super, super awkward. And it, there'd always be this weird long pause. And I got to tell you, she never got that much business from those people. <laughs> and I think it's because she made him so uncomfortable. And they probably felt like, well, she's just here to sell us all the time. She just wants to make more money off of us. She's not really here to help us. She didn't utilize the other tenants. She didn't use storytelling very well. She didn't provide value very well. And yet she was always asking. So that's selling too much. And then also she sold too quickly before she developed good, strong relationships with these folks. She was selling to them. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes there is a natural opportunity to ask earlier on. And I'm not saying you never you never ask if it's the right time. But you need to get a really good understanding of when is the right time. So sometimes 
it's very natural. You might be talking about something. You've asked them what they're dealing with. They tell you. They tell you about a new deal. They tell you about some of the concerns they have. Or maybe it's a potential litigation client and they're telling you about a potential litigation they're worried about and what they're bantering on internally. And you can help them. And so you provide value. You ask some key questions. You get them thinking. And you get into a very organic, natural conversation that you get to a point where you're like, you know, if it makes sense for us to talk about how we could work on this together, how about we set a time to just talk about that? Because this probably isn't the best scenario. This isn't the best place to do it. Like there are some very natural ways this can come up. And I would say take advantage of that when it happens, but it's not going to happen that often. So you don't want to sell too quickly or too much. But again, don't leave it off of the table if it's something that should be there, if it comes very naturally. You don't want to get in a situation where you have this lovely time, you're talking on the phone or in person or whatever it is, and later on you look back and go, oh my God, it was there for the taking. I should have asked, and now it's really awkward. Okay, so those were my five big ones. I do have a bonus one I want to mention here because we have some time. Following up. A big mistake a lot of attorneys make is not following up. So they meet somebody. They have a great conversation. They ask great questions. They provide some value in person. And then they never follow up. Well, I hate to break it to you, but that's kind of like not asking right? So you're starting to develop a relationship, but then you're telling them, oh, I forgot about you. You're not that important. And then maybe you just show up haphazardly, right? That's another one where you come in and you get really, really great about following up for maybe a month and then you drop off the face of the earth for seven months. What do you think you're telling prospective clients and clients when you treat them that way? It's not good. So always keep in mind, always, that your job when it comes to business development, is to develop a relationship where they know who you are, you are top of mind when something comes to pass that you can help them with, they trust you, and they want to pick up the phone and call you when something comes up. And the only way to do that is to follow up with them regularly, is to stay in contact Be in connection. Develop that relationship. And remember, you can do this in very simple ways. So following up can be, let's say you met somebody new at a networking event. And within 48 hours, you send them an email. Say, hey, it was great meeting you. I enjoyed our talk about, and just a brief blurb about what you talked about. In connection with that, I remembered that I read an article a couple of weeks ago that's right on point about what we discussed and you include it in the email. Now, you're not always going to have an article, but if there is something or if there's something you've written or if there's something somebody else in your firm has written, send it to them. And then maybe a couple of weeks later, as you see things that might be applicable to them, to something that you talked about, you send that to them and you just stay in touch And then maybe you send another email asking a question. Hey, I remember you were talking about this big issue coming up. How did you guys resolve it? How did it go? Ask questions. I mean, there are a lot of ways to follow up. Be genuinely curious and helpful. And it's not going to bother them at all. I promise. Okay. So you have now learned the five, really six, 
most common business development mistakes that lawyers make and what to do instead to take this even further and help you build a profitable, sustainable, and values-based business, be sure to grab your copy of the Client Development Blueprint. It's going to take you step-by-step through my framework for building a legal practice that you're going to love without burning out. It is how I built my business and what my clients use to build theirs, and I'm letting you have it for free. That's it for today. I will see you next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life and Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a subscriber, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both life and law, including the Life and Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.